All right. What's up, y'all? It's Will here at Schedule Fly, and very excited today. Tuesday, the 18th of August, I've got Dustin Skidlarik on the phone. Dustin's out in Denver. He is a COO with Bridge and Tunnel Group, and uh, been in the business for a while. Uh, gotten to know Dustin over the last couple years. They run a really well-run, um, sharp group of operators, run a great business. Um, been really impressed with what I've seen every time I've communicated with anybody on the team there and uh i've always just been impressed with when i've talked to dustin man that you, you know your stuff man you're a, you're a sharp dude so i appreciate you taking the time to do this yeah i appreciate the time too well um so we were just catching up a little bit prior to this but i was asking you how things are going out in denver and you mentioned that you've seen some closures out there um so definite permanent closures that you're aware of yeah, yeah. Some some people that have you know changed their changed their group uh, drastically to like ghost kitchens. Um, others, unfortunately, have had to uh, you know close shop permanently. Um, it sucks hearing that, and it's happening in a lot of places, particularly in big cities uh, where so much of this mm-hmm. has, has has spread. Um, have y'all? What's been going on with y'all? Tell us about Bridge and Tunnel. Tell us about the concepts you have, and um, how long you've been with the group. Yeah, so Bridge and Tunnel Restaurant Group um, uh, was, was created about six and a half years ago um, with, with really bringing a focus of nostalgic New York uh, cuisine to the front range of Denver. Um, and with that, you know, Bridge and Tunnel, uh, the, the reason for that name is that uh, obviously a lot of the, the restaurant tours, um, you know, hundred years ago plus uh, in New York traveled from New Jersey by bridge and tunnel um, to operate their businesses in Manhattan uh, just due to the real estate cost being so high that you couldn't you couldn't float you know your your rent on your business as well as you know provide enough money for mortgage so um, you know we are we are selling nostalgia um, as a whole you mm. know um, our, our flagship is is Rosenberg's uh, bagels and delicatessen. Um, it, it's kind of a marriage of, of three three concepts out of Manhattan: a, a, a bagel shop, uh, more of an appetizing store, um, and uh, you know, essentially we're we're bringing you know a deli aspect into it as well. So that is our that is our bread and butter. Um, we have developed um, Lou's Italian specialties. Um, you know, really a lot of inspiration for Lou's came from Fiacco's in the Lower East Side in, mm. in New York. Um, and just awesome, awesome, um, you know, sub sandwiches and, you know, uh, charcuterie program, uh, olive oils, great balsamics, just really a cool market vibe. Uh, we've done a, a, you know, I think a good job in partnering with a lot of, you know, local you know, ranchers and farmers uh, in that concept um, in the area. Um, we also have Famous Jane's Original Pizza, New York Style Pizza. Kind of our whole shtick is that we use New York water in our dough. Um, our founding our founding partner, um, Josh Pollock, he he traveled back and forth um, from from Brooklyn to, to Denver about nine times with water. He'd smuggle water on the flight. Uh, and he brought it up to his professors <laughs> at CU Boulder, and uh, we we again realized the differences in the water and the hardness of, of the East Coast water, um, 
and essentially through you know calcium and magnesium treatments, we're we're rolling um, spring water through reverse osmosis, introducing those those two uh, magnesium and and uh, calcium into the water, hardening it, and and we really get a, a high gluten build um, out of that water uh, with our yeast in, in, in flour, and and so we're able to reenact essentially a, a true New York authentic bagel uh, as well as pizza. Um, oh, your dough. Our most recent mm. endeavor. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say your your dough. That water's in your dough too for your pizzas. Yeah, it, it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, that's why you have great bagels in in New York and great sourdough in San Francisco. You know, it's all about the water. So, mm. um, and our, our most recent endeavor is. Um, Sherry's Soda Shop. It's an old-style um, soda jerk bar uh, creamery. Um, you know, Josh spent a lot of time, you know, growing up, going to these places. So did I. Um, and, and we wanted to just bring a really awesome, um, you know, jerk-style um, creamery to, to Denver. And we're, we're getting a liquor license in that, in that place as well to kind of turn into a late-night speakeasy as well. Man. Well, first of all, okay, so he came from New York. Are you from New York as well? I'm not from New York. Um, I spent about five years in Connecticut, um, about 40 minutes outside of the city, so I uh, spent a lot of time in the city. Um, Josh is from uh, New Jersey, hmm. and, uh, and and so that's, you know, it, it was kind of a, a really fun, good fit. I, I was running a restaurant group um, about nine years ago um, here in Denver, and Josh came to us and we were in a manager meeting and we had all the heads at one table and uh, this guy from New Jersey just, just dropped a bag of bagels and uh, we all kind of looked at each other like, what's this guy up to, you know? Uh, we, we tried the bagels, they were they were incredible. Uh, we ended up building out a, a cafe um, in the Golden Triangle neighborhood in Denver and that's where Josh first posted up the first Rosenbergs, the pop-up. He was... Uh, R&D in the product and, and really, um, you know, working working with the team uh, very closely. Um, and then from there, I, I actually started a consultancy business, uh, 5280 Consultancy, uh, here in Denver, specializing in uh, restaurant financials operations. Um, and and I, was, I had an ability to help them open the, the first Rosenbergs. And uh, years later, then we, we finally came to a point where we could fully connect and and so i'm on board with the team and uh operating as the uh operating officer how many locations do you all have total across your concepts uh you know we have seven locations um we uh we have three rosenbergs and then and then uh two famous james pizzas uh lose italian specialties and then and then sherry soda shop um and oddly enough even in this landscape that we're all experiencing um, we've, we've found some ability to, um, step into some other markets and start growth. Um, so Boulder, Colorado is our next endeavor, um, that is going to be hitting Q1 of 2021. Mm, congrats. Which concept? Um, you know, we're actually, we're actually positioning to meld a few of our concepts all under one roof, uh, and, and try to be as smart as possible about the occupancy costs, um, as as many restaurateurs know, that's a fixed cost. Uh, you can't get that money back. Um, so trying to trying to 
introduce different services um, throughout one one building is is kind of the move forward. So Rosenberg's Bagels is is the focus on the AM, uh, and then at 3 p.m. we transition into Famous Chase Pizza, and then we bring highlights of uh, lose Italian specialties. Um, so I'll be doing one of those um, up in Boulder, and then we also did just sign a, a letter of intent on another property on the same block for for Sherry Soda Shop. That's awesome, man. So, okay, well, let's talk about, well, first of all, love the concept, love the nostalgia. Uh, people need that now. They want that. They're realizing more and more that they want that, particularly in light of what's been happening. Uh, but the flip side of that is um, part of that nostalgia is, is clearly being around other people and celebrating that. So what's been happening with y'all with you know, with capacity, uh, do you have ability to seat outdoors or have you transitioned a lot of the business to, um, takeout and delivery? You know, kind of all of the above. Well, um, we are, we are building patios out, um, at, at all of one of our locations, all but one, I should say. Um, and, and really, you know, obviously that spatial distancing of, of getting the distance between tables, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's a must. Um, I feel like a lot of restaurants aren't really focused in that area of maintaining their, their capacities. Um, they're going to find themselves in a, in a kind of a crux of a position. Um, you know, the, the average, the average profitability of a, of a restaurant in the country from, from quick service to fine dining is 7%. So if all of a sudden you start reducing your occupancy by 50%, uh, you're going to very quickly find yourself in the red, uh, which is a dangerous place to be. So, um, yeah, we, we built out a lot of patios um, in, in permitting with the city of Denver um, on a couple other locations. Um, the, the, the consumer that we have is, is finding a lot more comfort in dining at home right now. Um, we have definitely gravitated towards that. We've, we've launched our own delivery programs in fact, um, because of the third third party third party services, and I and I don't need to name drop any of them, but um, uh, unfortunately, they're 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 a bit of a of a suck from profitability. Um, it's one thing if you have the lights on, you're creating more revenue uh, with that third party solution. Uh, it's another thing if COVID hits, and all of a sudden, that third party solution that was kind of the the whipped cream on the Sunday, if you if you will. Uh, turned into the ice cream, you know, it turned into yep. 80, 90% of, of our revenue. And there's, there's some third party services that are steep as 30% revenue cut on that. And so, um, you know, what, outside of, outside of, go ahead. Well, what's the addition? What is the cost of doing it yourself? Not the dollars, but is a percentage like what's the variance between Yeah. You know, we, we've been able to leverage a lot of our hourly staff that we that we currently hold. Um, we've seen about a four percent uptick in overall labor costs being devoted towards um, people answering phone calls and uh, online ordering has been huge. But it's super important to have somebody there that can you know pick up the phone and and call call Mrs. Smith and say, hey. We noticed that you have this allergy. We want to get a little more specific so that we can relay that to um, our, our culinary people so we can execute proper. Um, 
but that with delivery, it's, it's been about a four percent increase on those units. Okay, so way below the now. And that would that include your insurance costs that would go into that? But yeah, you know, with with that um, insurance cost is, is going to be an impact here very shortly. Um, we've we've had an ability to leverage some rule set that mm. um, we can actually utilize the carrier uh, of the driver uh, for the first six months. I do have a fleet of vehicles that uh, that we use for an intercompany uh, transferring. We, we transfer a lot of products throughout our units, and so we have an ability to specialize in, in pastry in this location or in pizza dough in this location or, or what have you. Um, so we make our, our bagels here in Denver, but we actually transport them every single morning um, to to the proper facility, and then we boil and bake fresh on site. But it gives us an ability to really house what what normally would look like a nine thousand square foot take of space, um, and, and pack it into about four thousand, um, and and really bring the economies of scale around what we do. Okay, gotcha. Well, I'm glad that you've been able to do that, man, because that's one of the things that. I feel like as a consumer, there's a disconnect between the brand that I care about and the third-party delivery service. So you lose control. Once that leaves, not only do you lose control of the handling of your product, but even if the product is handled well and it's kept warm and so on and so forth, what the big variable there that it's just impossible to control is you've got some guy or some gal showing up at your customers with the food and if they have a bad attitude there's so many things that can go wrong with that experience for the customer that while it's logically you go well yeah but that's not our you know nothing we can do about it. it's not our fault I don't care. I just feel like that's a bad experience for the consumer, period, end of story, and it, it gets associated back with your brand. At least that's how mm-hmm. I kind of look at it as a consumer. I don't. Is that one of the things that you all thought about? It's, it's certainly a, a, a very big concern. I mean, we, we've seen this very early on in, in how we're vetting uh, individuals coming into these companies. You know, you can, you can compare it to Uber. When, when Uber started off, uh, they're extremely tight, and, and they vetted those drivers extremely thoroughly. Yes. Um, and, and now, now it's a situation that, hey, if I want to pick up a shift and, and go drive for Uber, I can I can be on the clock in 12 hours. Um, and so it, it's, you know, it, it's becoming more expansive, and, and with that, the resources have been put in by these third-party companies to vet these individuals, or at least give them some some baseline of training so that it's, that's a, it's an added value to these restaurants. Um, you're absolutely right. Well, I mean, I've, I've experienced, you know, people, you know, smoking in their vehicles or having their pets running around or whatever. And it's certainly not the environment that I want to um, deliver our product in, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just, I, I noticed that this sprint, like when this all went down and we were like kind of locked in and I ordered from a place, I won't mention it, but, uh, um, but you know, we, we got the food and it was wrong. And I was like, Hey, this, you know, I thankfully checked the order right there. And I was like, well, you're missing, you know, whatever it was. And, uh, person's like, man, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I'm a third party driver. I won't say which firm it was from, but you know, one of the big ones, mm-hmm. I was like, well, yeah, but 
can't you go back and get the stuff I need? And I was like, no, you got to call them. And yeah, I called them and they ended up taking care of it or giving us some credit. But you know, we didn't have the, we didn't have what we needed. And I just, there was just a, I was like, I'm not going to order from them anymore. Cause I don't know if that same ha- thing happens. Like that kind of sucks. But anyway, well, I think that's really cool. That's just been a big hot button for me is these third party, you know, good for them. I'm sure they've done well through all this. They've become a necessity in a lot of ways, but man, it's really it's great if y'all been able to do that. You've got the the scale to do it though. It's probably a lot harder for single unit operators or smaller organizations than yours that may not already have a delivery fleet or, uh, you know, it may end up being just as expensive or more. I would imagine with the insurance and all the risks that go along with that. Right, and and it just changes it changes the operation so much. So it takes your your key operators um, from from their focus on integrity of the food and the delivery of service um and it 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 changes it It, it's a a completely different skill set to be perfectly honest um to try to manage um logistics behind efficiencies and um you know some of these companies they have have proximity locators and the end user loves it you know they can see they can see when when they're you know the tracking of the order when it's being prepared when it's being delivered all of that um, and it's good, but I, I would encourage those people also to look at the fees that they're also being charged over the top of the 30% um, hit to a restaurant. There's there's sometimes, you know, $8, $10 being added on to, to those people's delivery. Um, biggest concern is, you know, we have, we have uh, an industry that's been created to essentially deliver in industry, uh, being restaurants to these end users, um, but they haven't done it in a responsible fashion to team up and pair with these restaurants. Um, I, I always feel like joint partnership and joint venture could look as a, as a parallel growth. Um, but, but these, unfortunately, uh, you know, they bisect and when they do, uh, it's devastating to the restaurant. Yeah, sure is. Um, well, that's incredible that y'all have been able to not only hold down the fort, but you're, you're continuing with your growth, going into Boulder. Um, has, has this presented as bad as this has been, and it's been horrible. We don't, everybody knows that, so we don't need to get into that. But um, do you look at something like this, Dustin, you and Josh and your team there, and go, okay, well, we can't change clearly what's happening, but what we can do is – figure out a way to turn it into an opportunity to improve mm-hmm. the business? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that you always have to be evolving. You know, it, it always has to be fluid and it has to have flow. Um, the, only, the only constant that, that we know is change. And uh, we, we need to be conscious of that and, and realize who is our consumer right now? Um, is, is there the market share of diners that there was before? Not really, uh, especially, you know, when the onset of, you know, March, April, when everybody just went to Costco and stocked up their freezers and, um, you know, they hunkered down. Yeah. And and that's that's really when the a really negative impact hit on a lot of restaurants. Many of them decided to close over this period of time uh, and actually, I think that that was one of the smarter moves because those that tried to endure over over that over that six weeks span, uh, that 
you know, that, that, that was a big, a big, uh, thing to get over. Um, obviously the PPP funds, uh, those that took advantage there, um, that, that helped a lot, but along with that, that's a bandaid. That's a, that's a, Hey, you, you just experience this financial loss. Here's a way that the government's going to help, help you through this period of time. But it's, it's not a sustaining thing. So obviously if you didn't, you know, make shifts or if you're not actively saying, Hey, where, where is my PL sitting? Where, where is, where is my biggest loss in my business? Um, and, and secondly to that, am I exploiting all revenue channels that, that I could be looking at? Um, here in, here in Colorado, um, our governor, um, put into place that, that anybody that holds a liquor license can can send out alcohol yeah. um, as as an off off premise uh, consumption. So that that helped out a lot. I mean, it helped out the government obviously because you know they get their sales tax, but also it, it gave an ability to um, supplement the revenue loss um, that that we were experiencing in our stores. And so you know we, we shifted towards mimosa packages and Bloody Mary packages and bottles of wine and. Uh, you know, we, we kind of played into it a little bit. We we, we created a, a quarantine and chill package where hmm. it was a it was a it was a twenty inch pizza, a pint of ice cream, a bottle of, a bottle of cab. Uh, it went over really well. You know, people embraced it, and and it was a complete package where our consumers were were definitely wanting a one stop shop um, to not not be everywhere in the city to try to get their provisions. So that that ended up being a, a super positive thing for us. Oh, that's a really yeah. I, I bet that went over very well. Um, well what what do you think has changed permanently? If you look, you know, I don't know, whatever, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, what's changed in the industry? You know, um, obviously, the actual physical orientation of, of restaurant setups. Is, is, is that's that is the, the most bold thing that you'll see um, with uh, you know future designs of restaurants, how how tables and chairs and orientation of you know kitchen and, and the square footage um, that's typically been used. Obviously, the square footage ratio of front of house to back house has always been kind of shifting based on based on the concept. Um, what I will say now is, is you're going to start to see bigger, bigger kitchens and smaller dining rooms and, and more of a focus on, on, you know, creating maybe a secondary line to fulfill online and, you know, phone in orders, um, where another kitchen maybe is, is directed around handling the in-house guests, you know? So I think that that, that's a really big one. Um, I also think that, you know, from a developer standpoint, um, you know, throughout the last 10 years, they've gotten pretty greedy. They've tried to maximize um, the, the, the cost of their units of, of the retail space so much that it's almost making uh, the restaurant retail world um, unprofitable. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that, that's obviously really hard to, to, to swallow because at, at this point, you know, there needs to be a, a realization that this is not, this is not something that is going to uh, be able to be maintained. And so I think that we're going to start to see uh, occupancy costs as a whole start to diminish um, and, and start to reduce, I should say, uh, because 
really the whole reason that a developer puts retail in that in that uh, you know first floor is to popularize that area and to be able to sell residential above or rent it above. Um, and I, I really think that developers are going to start utilizing their retail space as more of a loss leader and not a profit not a profit runner. Oh right, gotcha. Okay, and, well the um it's going to be interesting because you've got you know if these places are closing what happens to all these places that close down what happens to all these spaces is that what your rents go down occupancy costs go down and then some some new entrepreneurial restaurant person opens their concept for the first time because they can finally afford it you think that happens i i do think that there's going to be you know more more people resurging on this um i also think that a lot of a lot of bigger groups are, are choosing to downsize yeah. to um to not to not have the risk of exposure you know a lot of a lot of my friends in the industry you know they have their houses on the line and all of a sudden when you when you created something to better your legacy better your family and it's, it's the one thing that's actually uh being the demise of it it's just horribly painful thing to to, to bring into it because it's not it's not just our work it's not just our industry it's 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 our kids you yeah. know and that's that, that that's where it shakes me out uh for sure well when i think about you know my son and the industry that that i'm living in you know i'm kind of playing with fire a little bit um but at the same time you know i i, I have a full belief that the restaurant industry it's it's some of the most hardworking folks I've ever met in my life. Agreed. And uh, it's, it's people that, you know, they're, they're not looking at their watch. There's not a punch in, a punch out. It is, it is, I work until the job is done. And there's not enough of that in, in work ethic in our country. And if, if, there's, if there's people that deserve to survive this, uh, it's, it's our industry. It's, it's the hardest working out there. Um, you know, so I, I think that we're going to see new development take place. I think that we're going to see some lower costs. I think we're going to see um, additional stipends from the government for for new new business openings, uh, because obviously sales tax is is a, a, a massive massive piece to a twenty two trillion dollar economy, um, and you know we can't we can't sustain without. Um, focusing on small business and growing jobs. So, you know, I think it, I think it's going to be, you know, government intervene. I think it's going to be, uh, there's going to be a realization across a lot of industry from, from developer to small pop, mom and pop shops, um, that there, there needs to be a change that happens. Um, you know, food, food costs more money now, you know, um, there's, there's been a lot of things in the chain of, of restaurants from, you know, cattle ranchers through through co-packers that you know there's there, there's been a lot of lost jobs and there's been outbreaks in certain facilities and it's spiking meat costs and things of that nature and and a lot of these restaurants are just saying hey i'm going to get what i can get and and i'm, and I'm scared in this time to increase prices based on the product that i'm bringing in but unfortunately that's exactly what you need to do it needs to all be relative in, in community. There, there's a cost of the people preparing and delivering, and there's a cost of that raw product. And um, you can't be just so revenue-focused without understanding that those costs need to be in line because, you know, 
if if you're ripping that that ten dollar sandwich up and and it's unprofitable, the more you do, uh, the more damage it takes uh, to your business. And so that's a that's a another big uh, complexity to all of this. But you know, we need to get back to supporting supporting local, supporting our restaurants, going to our restaurants, ordering directly from our restaurants. Um, and, and realize that that is, that is such a, a huge impact. It's going to be cheaper for the end user, and you're actually going to give, give these restaurants an ability to survive all this. Well, I completely agree. It's the hardest working industry. It's the industry where if you're willing to show up and work hard and be a good team member and take good care of the customer – that's all that matters. You don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to be a man or a woman. You don't have to be white, black, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. It's just the person that you are, which is there's really not many industries that enable folks like that. And there's so many people that have uh, poured their hearts and their lives into these businesses for so long. And so much of it's so much of the industry is just it's just love. I mean, it's what hospitality is. It's, you know, it's, it's loving taking care of other people and providing good experiences at other people, often at significant cost to your, your time, your, um, so many aspects of your life. I mean, that's, that's what y'all do. And so look, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I think that it's interesting that y'all have this, um, focus on nostalgia. I've seen more people, put more emphasis themselves on nostalgic things the last few months on local businesses the last few months on recognizing that you know these local businesses they don't just exist because they exist they exist because you know hard-working local people have poured everything they have into them and boy we don't want them to go away and so we want to support them there, there's no emotional connection to big massive giant chains i'm so you know like they'll come or they'll go or whatever but you've got an emotional connection if i mean if you live in denver and you you go to one of your three different concepts you know it's local and it's important to you and um you've got some kind of a connection with that so i think people are recognizing that more um it's unfortunate that restaurant design will change that we'll have less you know, further apart between tables, smaller uh, upfront areas. In some ways, just in the sense that we need a place to go where we can have somebody take good care of us. That's not in our home sometimes. So um, the the balance will will shift a little. But when you talk about bigger kitchens, I'm really curious about that because you know the work ethic is it, you got to have it. It's it's hard to find people. It's it was already hard to find people prior to this. Um, right now, prior to this, it was also hard because there was like no unemployment and, you know, everybody had jobs and everybody could just go, well, if I don't like this job, I'll quit and go to another one. And that's certainly going to change. Um, but kitchen in particular was, was very challenging. So if kitchens are growing and getting bigger, does that give you pause about finding the right people to staff in those kitchens? Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously bigger, bigger, uh, spaces demand more people. Um, I, I do believe that uh, being smart about any level of automation that you can bring to your operation is super smart as well. 
Uh, and I don't mean, you know, I'm not talking about robots flipping burgers here, but I am talking about, uh, you know, getting getting really savvy about, um, you know, batch sizes and prepping for shelf life and bringing further technologies into the industry to streamline and, and simplify processes. That's, you know, that, that's, that's one of the main reasons that we're with ScheduleFly, right? I, I have an ability to, to open up, open up uh, a, a dashboard and be able to see all my locations and drill down into every single shift, every single employee. I mean, it's, it's about bringing technology and automation and uh, those things that were very laborious in the past and, and streamlining it. Um, naturally, you know, with, with kitchens becoming larger, it really, it really, the reason I'm, I'm bringing such emphasis around that is saying that the revenue that is, that is lost by, by in-house diners needs to be made up somewhere and it's by feeding the people at their doorstep yeah. or, or give, giving, giving a streamlined uh, ability for somebody to come in and, and Will's grabbing his, his bag and he's, he's, he's off. Um, but it's about impacting that revenue. Uh, obviously sales are king uh, in, in any industry, uh, restaurants more than ever. And, and to, to supplement that revenue and create create a facility that's going to be able to actually feed the people inside and outside of the restaurants is is 100% needed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, y'all are out ahead of it, man. I think it's, I love listening to you. I love talking to you about the way you're approaching this. Um, it's inspiring to hear somebody that's, you know, I mean, you haven't closed any of your locations, right? Yeah, you know, I, I opened up Sherry's about three weeks prior uh, to the pandemic hitting. Um, just due to us not being able to have the timeline to really popularize that concept, I did decide to shutter uh, okay. temporarily on that. Uh, we have been we have been reopened and uh, active for two and a half months, um, but but we are we are luckily, you know. We're, we're, we're full capacity at this point. And, you know, again, I know there's so many industry friends and family that, that are, that are struggling. So I don't, I don't mean to have this ever be a thorn in the side, uh, because we've had an ability to prevail, uh, through this, but we are seeing that quick service is becoming more dominant, mm-hmm. um, in the industry. It's, it's creating more market share. And, and luckily we're, we're in a, a city that, has birthed so many quick service concepts, you know, uh, you, you can literally name, you know, 15 of the top 20 quick service concepts in our country. And, and they were born right here in Denver. So, Why is that? Uh, we're, yeah. I mean, we have everything from, I mean, you've got Chipotle, uh, you've got, why, why, why is everybody uh, doing it in Denver? Is it because of the demographics there? Is it, what, what's caused that? You know, I, I, I can't, I can't, full-on say why that is, um, but, uh, but you know, history's definitely repeated itself, and it's, it's you know, from, I mean, from Noodles and Company to Chipotle to, you know, um, man, now, now Bird Call, Bird Call is going to be a, a rising star here shortly. What's Bird Call? Um, you know, Bird Call is, is, uh, it's a, it's a company, it's a, it's a fried chicken sandwich concept, really going head-to-head with, uh, 
with uh, Chick-fil-A, um, bringing ah. a more locally owned spin on it. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so that, you know, that just got, that just got a, a really heavy uh, evaluation, and they got a ton of money injected into them. Um, and, and that's, that's awesome. It's awesome to see, um, something that's going to start to take some of that market share. Um, it, it's shocking to me that, you know, for, for 50 years, our industry of fast food and fast casual has been focused around ground beef and burgers, you know, and, and it really took, it took a long time for, uh, you know, the fried chicken sandwich to, to become popularized, but it's, it is gaining its traction now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, of course, Chick-fil-A's got that just unbelievable service model. Uh, we've had them here. I'm in North Carolina. We've had them since I was a kid. Um, so I just took it for granted. I didn't, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, well, I guess everywhere has Chick-fil-A. And, um, and, and grew up realizing, you know, what's been happening with their growth over the last decade or two. But, God, their service is phenomenal. Uh, it's just, I, it is. never ceases to amaze me. And we go, I mean, we go, I was just there yesterday. I got breakfast for the kids. Um, always just kind of blown away by the whole thing. But So that's cool. Bird Call is, is getting into that. There seem to be a lot of other, I'm hearing a lot of other conversations Um around that the, the the sort of the high-end chicken sandwich fast casual concept is is getting ready to blow up i mean the the burgers went all the way to five guys and um uh what's the danny meyer one um oh gosh shake shack shake shack yeah and all that kind of stuff yeah. that's getting ready to happen with chicken sandwiches i guess isn't it right definitely will you know um obviously i think that people are a little more conscious about having their intake of red meat being so high, you know? Um, so I think that that's, I think there's a, a natural understanding and, and, you know, just kind of a, a shift that's happening in our country to become more, more, you know, um, cautious of, of what we're putting in our bodies, you know? Um, and, and how, how it can really make a, a big difference in how you feel that day, you know? So, well, um, what about Rosenberg's and your other concepts there? Are we going to see those all over the place eventually? Is that the plan, or are you just going one at a time? You know, um, I, I have I have prospects at a couple other locations. We have a couple uh, proposals in with uh, Denver International Airport as well. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I won't... I won't stick my flag in the sand yet but you know i, I think that i think that we want to probably take it to about 30 locations and then and then uh talk about it after that do, do you do it geographically dustin do you expand from there or do you go like to major metropolitan markets all over the country or, or how do you do that when you go from well, right, three to 30 yeah, right now we're, we're certainly focused on the front range we want to we want to make sure that as we're growing and developing that we're identifying um, where our biggest vulnerabilities lie in consistency of, of brand. Um, Josh, Josh, our founder, he's, he is just a, a, a brand maniacal man who, who is, who is so focused around, um, creating that consistency, um, through, through our recipes that, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't create all of our recipes in our, our bagel recipe, for example, is, you know, 100, 140 years old, uh, five simple ingredients, and it's it's about the consistency. So to backtrack to your question, we're focused on, on Denver and the front range and kind of developing out, um, but, 
you know, furthermore from there, it's, it's certainly going to be, um, you know, found in, in larger, larger um, markets. Do you all have, in your locations, do you have drive-thrus? You know, I don't. I don't have drive-throughs. Uh, oddly enough, I was I was uh, looking through some permits for a, a prospected location that I'm looking at after Boulder on putting a drive-through in. Um, you know, we we spend we spend ninety five percent of our time on our preparation of our food, yeah. and about five percent on the execution. Um, I, I think that there's a, a misconception a lot of times when people think quick service. Oh. The, the food must be a lower quality or cared for less or it's it's so fastly prepared that it, it you know that's that's what I'm going to give at the end of the day uh, in fact my labor my labor in a quick service model is is more than what I paid in full service models mm. uh, in, in the past of other other restaurants so um, you know with, with that being said uh, I think I think that uh, it's just important to understand that there's quality in, in the quick service sector and it's it's growing traction mm-hmm. and it's it's gonna be king of the castle. Oh for sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean there's so many good quick service but was is, is um Zoe's isn't from Denver, is it? Say that last part again? Zoe's are you familiar with Zoe's? I I am. Um I don't know if she started in Denver. I do have I do have three of them uh across the area. Um it's like Zoe's and then Zoe Mama, I believe, is part of the same group. Oh um, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent on that. Well, but, oh, I was just, uh, okay. They definitely have a presence here. Yeah, they've done a good job. I mean, they have you know quality food, quick. We get that every now and again, um, for sure. No, you're, you're right about that. Um, I, man, you made me really, really wish. You, Wish the uh, you had a location somewhere near me here in North Carolina right now, because I could definitely take down a new york bagel man that <laughs> new york water uh, yeah. mm, they're good they are they're, they're, they're tasty i can i can if you if you follow up to your address i'll i'll get some on some dry ice and ship them over to you nah you ain't gotta do, you, i mean well <laughs> i won't fight you on it but <laughs> you know, don't don't we, we, we do it we do it do you um, really we have we have a lot of people that uh are extremely passionate about about their bagels um Especially if you grew up on the East Coast, I mean that's yeah. It's uh, you know it's you know Saturday Sunday morning rolls around and it's it's not a question of of you know what you're going to do. It's like let's go to the bagel shop, let's grab some bagels, let's grab some bagel sandwiches, grab some walks. Um, we do a we do a hundred percent sustainable um, fish program as well, where we cure and smoke all of our own walks um, and. Uh, we, you know, we sell a ton of fish. We, we currently were run through about five, 600 pounds a, a week. And, uh, you know, we're, we're Monterey Aquarium, uh, focused on full sustainable, um, fish. Um, and, uh, we've recently taken a, a really strong initiative in, in just a fully carbon neutral, uh, program as well. It costs a lot of money to do it, but I think that I think that people understand the importance of, of it as well to, to create a, a long-term legacy, sustainable, more tugboat style business model. You know, um, I, I know that for, for myself and for Josh, um, when we talk about what we're doing, um, 
we, we talk about a lifetime. We, 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 we say that a lot, a lot out loud to our teams because we want them to understand that what we're a part of and what we're doing, it's bigger than all of us. Mm. No, nobody is, um, you know, we, we need to understand that when we say Tugboat, we're talking about a 100-year company plus, and uh, it's going to be a legacy um, company. And this isn't something that's going to be, uh, you know, just just thrown out after 10, 12 years like so many other restaurants are. This is something that's, that's here to stay and uh, is going to be generational. Mm, love it, man. That's a big part of why you guys are able to do what you do so well. Um, long view, big picture. You clearly believe in it very passionately. I know Josh does, obviously. Um, who else, by the way, um, and I'm going to let you roll uh, because I've probably taken more time than you had you had uh, expected, but I've really enjoyed this, Dustin. Who else out there in your area or just elsewhere in the industry do you, um, do you admire or have you learned from? Huh, who, who I admire. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big focus around training and putting tools in people's hands. Um, the Hillstone group, um, has been really impactful to me, um, on, on the amount of upfront money that they invest into their people mm. to be great at what they do. Their consistency is, is vibrant to look at. Um, I, I would say that that, that is one brand that, you know, I guess for, for sake of this call or listeners that would, that would kind of identify with that, um, they, they do a phenomenal job. You know, they pay the people well and, um, it's, it's not about, it's not about the CEO's pocketbook. They invest over and over into their people and create such a memorable, long lasting impression, uh, experience. So the Hillstone Group has been a huge, a huge provider of passion for me. Ah, nice, man. Love that. Hillstone Group. There you go. Hats off. Um, big shout out. Um, well, look, I appreciate this quite a bit and learned a lot, got inspired, got uh, got hungry. Um, so <laughs> I, I will uh, I will send you my address. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to pack up. Actually, I got a bunch of got my kids around here for a couple more days till summer starts so they're my they're my schedule fly merch box packers so we're going to get some some hats i've sent you some hats before right have i uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure oh uh, dude I, I don't think i've seen them well but, okay yeah. well send me okay let's we'll, we'll let's change up. addresses yeah man because i'm going to send you some hats and some tube socks uh we got some pretty cool merch so um man appreciate the time appreciate the business Tell Josh the same. Tell your whole team the same. You know, and as you know, man, if you ever need anything, you know where I am. I'm always happy to help out. Yep, you are. You're always on it. All right, my friend. Have a good one. Y'all take care. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. See you.